We'll turn back over to Matthew 6 this morning. I promise I'm going to try to finish today, but this has been such a good walk through this Sermon on the Mount. We've been on this, this is our third week, and it's just really looking at how Jesus views a Christian, what a Christian would look like if we went up to Jesus today and said, what am I supposed to look like? What, what do you want me to do? And he just kind of points this out here huge in Matthew 5 and 6 and 7. And uh, if you've got your little sheet, we've got that, got some blanks to fill in. Here's the blanks that you've got filled in already just to catch you up. Uh, the gospel, the sins, death, history, redeemer, and kingdom. We filled those in a couple weeks ago. And then that was the setting of the sermon. And then we looked at the subject of the sermon. We talked about Jesus demands a righteous exceeding that of scribes and the Pharisees. And last week we talked about how did he really view the Pharisees. And he wasn't real kind to the Pharisees. He looked at them and said, whoa, you, you clean up the outside. You've got everything looking good on the outside, but inside you stink. And we talked about our old catfish that got stinking last week. And talked about how does our heart feel? How does our heart smell? You know, it's really easy to clean up on the outside and look the part of a Christian, but only what our heart is, we will be what our heart is. It's kind of like the old saying, garbage in, garbage out, or, or good in, you get good out. And so we've seen that last week. We filled in the blanks that said no more righteous deeds by human effort, but, but more righteous hearts by the divine grace of Jesus Christ. And that brings us up to where we also finished last week. We talked about our attitudes on the next screen. We got through the attitudes of the exceeding righteous. We talked about, uh, you've heard it said, but Jesus says, I say this. And a lot of people looked at those questions last week. And we looked down through murder and adultery and divorce and, and loving our enemies. And, and boy, it was an eye-opener. These, these Pharisees were telling the people, Here's, we talked about 613 things that you need to do to be a Christian. And none of it had to do with the heart. None of it had to do with taking care of things. And Jesus said, You've heard it say, and you're trying to keep it by the rules of what man has given you, but I say I'm bringing a whole new way. And there's a whole new way of serving, a whole new way of loving your brother. There's a whole new way. Today we want to look at our desires. We want to begin in uh, Matthew 6, and we're going to look at a few verses in Matthew 6 this morning. But we looked at our attitudes last week. Today we want to look at our desires, our ambitions, and our relationships as it relates to this exceeding righteousness that he's asking us for. He said, I need you to go above and beyond what the world sees as right. The world sees a lot of times Christians, uh, they don't do these things, they don't do this or that, these vices we talked about. Uh, and they look at us and say, well, if they, don't, they go to church every Sunday, so they must be a Christian. Well, it's much more than that. Jesus said, I want you to have exceeding righteousness. I want it to go way over the top. I want you to be such an example that someone can look at your life. Listen to this. Someone can look at your life and they can find their way to me. That's huge. You say, well, I'm going to point them to the Bible. Yes, I know we're not perfect. But you know, we've heard the old saying many years now, we may be the only Bible people ever read. Our life may be the only Bible people read. God said, Jesus said, I want you to live in such a way, Christians. I want it to exceed righteousness so much that when they look at you, they will know how to get to me. Man, that's incredible. That's, do you feel the pressure there this morning from that? Do you feel the responsibility of living a life that is pleasing to Christ? Incredible, incredible things. Well, look there in, in Matthew 6 and go to verse 9. I won't read the whole thing there. This whole uh, part there, 
uh, Matthew 6, 1 through 18. Uh, read that when you get home. But I want to go down to something that's very familiar with us. And we call this the Lord's Prayer. But really, this is, this is really, a better name for this is the model prayer. See, Jesus doesn't just say, here, go at it. Here, be a Christian. He shows us how to be a Christian. And here he teaches us, he teaches the people there at the day, that day at the Sermon on the Mount. He's got the people listening and his disciples and followers are listening. And he said, let me, let me show you how to pray. How, how's your prayer life? One of the greatest marks of a Christian, we talked about this Sunday night with, with Paul. One of the things that is a really, you know, it's just like a, a, a big sign with neon on it. If you're a Christian, there's some things that you're going to do. And one of those huge things is you're going to pray. Paul, right away after he was blinded on the road to Damascus, and, and Ananias come to the house there, and, and he, Paul was, was saved, and then he was baptized, and he began to pray. He began to pray right away. After he'd found Christ, he wanted to talk to him. He wanted to talk to him. Look at this model prayer this morning, and then see how close your prayers fit into this model prayer. Now, this is not the only way to pray. But this is the model. This is what your prayer should look like. Something to do with these things. We're going to pray for a lot of different things. But Jesus said, here's the model. Verse 9, chapter 6. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy. Holy is your name. Guys, I I was talking this week to some of my friends, and I, I just feel like, I think we read the, you know, we sing the old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And I believe that's right. Oh, please hear me this morning. I believe that is great. I believe he is our friend. But I'm afraid what's happened in this world today that we've made Jesus more our friend than we are worshiping as him as holy. Worshiping him as perfect and, and, and for something to look toward and something to model our life after and to reverence him. You know, there's no, there's no doubt we live in a casual society. You know, if you'd have come in this church 50 years ago, probably every man in this church would have had a tie on, all right? Today, just the preacher has, and tonight, if you come back, I don't even have it on tonight, okay? We, and, and I'm not saying that's about, I'm just saying we can see the casualness that we, we've come. We, we, you know, the ladies used to always wear dresses, and, and the kids, you know, wore their very best. Guys, listen to me, I, I'm... I'm Kind of old, but I'm not old, old, but I'm old. But I remember Dad not letting me wear blue jeans at church until I was like 16 years old. I mean, I'm talking about on Sunday night or Wednesday night, we put on our suit. Every time we went to church, we put on the best we had, and we went to church. Now, I'm not saying it's bad the way we do to things, but what, here's what I want us to make sure that we don't do. I want to make sure that we don't casual down our relationship with Christ just because we got casual clothes on. I don't care whether you wear shorts or a T-shirt or, you know, anything like that. I, I'm, not, I'm worried about your soul, and I know God's worried about your soul. But don't let your relationship be casual down with Jesus. Don't let, you know, that's my good old buddy. That's my good old friend. That's just Jesus. You know, he's just that God up in there. The, the man upstairs, I, I really don't like that term, but the man upstairs, it's, we've casualed him down. Guys, listen to me. What's it say here? Our Father in heaven, hallowed, our holy is your name. Guys, when you go to pray, you should be about business of praying. And guys, I'm telling you, I know for a fact from myself that's hard to do. You ever get praying and daydream, go somewhere else? You ever get praying and the phone rings? You ever get praying and you start listening to TV more than you're praying? 
I think that's why the Lord knew we'd have to go into a closet and pray, you know. Get in somewhere where it's quiet at a certain time of day, shut the door, and just, just holy is your name. Realizing what an opportunity, what a blessing, what, what, a, what grace he's afforded me to come into the presence of Jesus Christ and of God and just to pray and give him my petitions. How's your prayer life? Is it casual? Lord, I need you to take care of this, this, and this, and Oh, yeah, take care of my own. Oh, by the way, forgive me my sins. Have we casualed ourselves down so much that we don't treat God with holiness and reverence? You know, the Old Testament said to fear God. To fear God, you know. And, oh, you know, we don't want to fear God. He's our friend. But it, it was a fearful respect. It was a respect that with the mere utterance of his breath, he could wipe us all out. He could. He's got that much power. He can wipe out a whole nation of people with the power of God. He can just close his hand and we exist to live. We need to realize the person that we pray to, how powerful, how mighty, how awesome, how holy is the God that we pray to. Guys, don't, don't, un, don't casual that down, okay? It's all right to wear no tie, but don't casual down our relationship with Christ. Let's read, read a little further. Your kingdom come... Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, what, what you're doing up there, what's perfect up there, what's, what's right up there in heaven, that's what I want in my life. That's what I want here on this earth. That's what I pray for that someday when we're made right again and, and the curse is removed, that's what I'm looking forward to. Your, your kingdom come. Please come. Please Please, way back in Revelation, remember at the end, even so, come quickly, dear Jesus. Do you find yourself saying that more and more these days? After we see people just maliciously walk up and drop a backpack by an eight-year-old boy and walk off and blow him, blow him to bits. And after we see just horrific things happening all over this world and people are in slavery and, and women are being sold as slaves over in foreign countries and and child uh, slavery, and child this and that, and it's just, it's just overwhelming. And we catch ourselves, Lord, won't you please come back? Your will, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. I remember hearing a few years back, that's more than just give me my food. It's just, Lord, help me through today. You know, we deal with some tough stuff. We lose a loved one or someone gets really sick. And, and you know, all we can do, I told Vicki a while ago, bless her heart, I said, Vicki, you just take it a day at a time. That's all we can do. You know what, though? That's all any of us has got, a day at a time. We get up and we say, Lord, give me the strength and, and give me the power and give me what I need today. Help me not to worry about things. I heard a preacher say this week, he said, you know, really, worry is, is sin, uh, he, he brought up the verse over in John 14, 6. Let not your hearts be troubled. Boy, this is a troubling day. But Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is Jesus speaking. What he's saying, do you believe I can take care of things? And I think if I had you raise your hand this morning, everybody, do you think Jesus can take care of everything? Everybody's hand would shoot up. Why do we live like he can't take care of everything? Amen? 
Why do we lay awake at night and look at the ceiling and worry? I, I'm, I'm guilty of it from time to time. Yes, we can be concerned. Yes, we can, we can think about things and be concerned about people. But the Lord said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Believe that I can do it. Do you trust me? Guys, listen, if he can save my old soul, he can take care of me every day, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Give us this day our daily bread. Give me today what I need, Lord. Help me not to worry about tomorrow or next week. You know, and listen, he wants us to, I'm not saying don't worry about the future as far as, don't worry, but you know, we can plan for the future and things. That's okay. But Lord, let me, let me just step out with you this morning. In the morning when you get up, Monday morning, whoo, the worst day of the week, you know. Ten minutes in, we're going to be going, oh, let me go back home. Or let me, I wish it was Sunday where I could go back to church, you know. But just step out and say, Lord, today, Monday morning, Give me my daily bread today. Give me what I need today, Lord, to do what I need to do. And tomorrow, on Tuesday, we'll worry about that in the morning. We'll talk about that in the morning, Lord. And I'll ask you again to give me my daily bread once again. Once again. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Can you see what Jesus is saying here? Can you see the difference in a Christian's life and in their prayer life than then somebody speaking some words? Remember, he told the Pharisee, he said, don't pray like the Pharisee do, do, where they get up and hold their head real tall and, oh, Lord, I'm glad I'm not like everybody else. Lord, I'm glad I don't have the problems and I'm glad I'm not a sinner like old Uncle Joe or Aunt Susie or I, I'm just glad who I am, Lord. I'm just thankful I'm not like these other people. Man, Jesus was turning the table here, boys and girls. He was bringing a brand new way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I want you to think way different, he said. I don't want you to think like the world does. I want you to not just get by like the world. Oh, they're a great Christian. They go every Sunday. I don't want you to get, I want you to exceed that. I want you to go over the top. And why? Because I'm in you. Jesus said, I'm in you because you can do that. You can't do it on your own. And when we go over the top, when we can exceed righteousness, we can exceed exceeding great righteousness, the Bible says, when we do that, it's because the power of God living in us and the Spirit living in us. And then people say, how in the world do you do that? And you turn right around and you point them to Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the way I do it. That's why he wants us to live above and beyond what we can ever imagine. We settle for so much less. And we serve a God that said, let there be light, and boom, guess what? There was light. That's the God we serve. He said, let there be animals. Boom, there was animals. Let there be earth and ocean. Boom, there was earth and ocean. That's just a, a small part of what our God can do. And we serve a God that we think is weak and, and frivolous. And, and we serve a God that we think we have to worry about things. And, and we serve a God that we just kind of are buddy and we casual him down and we've casualed him down until we don't realize, hallowed be thy name, you're holy God. You're holy. May we realize that. May we realize how holy he wants us to be. And gosh, that's hard for me to think about. I want to be so holy. I want to be what God wants me to be. Not so people can, oh, you know, so I can point him to the man that made me holy. And I feel like I miss it by a hundred miles. And that's not what God wants. God doesn't want us to miss it. He wants us to get it dead on. So that the world may know who we are. So we can point to Jesus Christ. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. Woo! My goodness, what a verse. Man, there's folks that just make us angry. These two guys this week in Boston, oh, the world just wanted to hang them high, you know? Oh, why would, how could somebody be so mean? How could be someone be so cowardly? We have people in our life, and we won't forgive, and it's, it's not even near anything like that. Well, they said something about me 25 years ago. Or, or they talked about my family 30 years ago, or they did something in a business meeting back in church 29 years ago, and I just can't get over it. What does it read there? But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's going above and beyond. What does the world say? Eye for an eye. If they do something wrong to you, you do something wrong back. What does Jesus say? Turn the other cheek. Forgive them. Forgive them, and then I will forgive you. I want you to set an example like nobody's ever seen before, Jesus says. I don't want you to blend into the crowd. I don't want you to be like everybody else. I want you to be lifting me up. I want you to be showing people the way that a Christian are to live. But here's what we're doing. Well, you don't think God minds if I do this, do you? You don't think God mind if I go do this, do you? And we worry about all these little petty vice things. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a drink, or I don't think there's anything wrong with cussing, or I don't, you know, we're worried about the most trivial things. Let that stuff go and follow Jesus. It's trivial stuff. We spend all our time arguing whether that's right or wrong. And in the meantime, people are dying and going to hell. Amen or oh me? Oh me. I agree. I agree. The desires. What are the desires of our heart? What are we praying for? Is it all about me? Lord, I want that bigger, better house. Lord, I want that bigger, better this. I want, I want this, Lord. I want this. I want, I want, I want. Look at there again. This is how you should pray. Our Father who are, how would be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And forgive us and lead us not into temptation. That's pointing right toward God. Your will, your kingdom, you be done. You, what you want, what you want be done, not what I want. That's how Christians should pray. That's the model. Now, you don't have to sit down every night and pray this prayer, word for word. Well, that's the only prayer God wants us to pray. No, but this is the model. This is the, the outline of our prayers. I'm afraid our prayers are not close to this a lot of times. I'm, I'm afraid we think God is a, a big Santa Claus. I can pray to Santa Claus. I need this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And, oh, and this. Kind of like my girls when they're making out their Christmas list, you know. Annie's been making out her birthday list since October, and it's, we're six months away, and she's still telling me what she wants for her birthday every day, you know. I want this, this, and this. I want this for my birthday. I want this for my She took Pop and Nana to Walmart this week, and they've got a list this long, everything she wants for her birthday. But that's the way we pray to God a lot of times, amen? I want this, this, and this, and this, and this. Look at the model prayer, guys. Look how different it is. Let's move on to the next subject of the sermon, our ambitions. Our ambitions over in 19 and 34. I'm going to bump down to 19. Read this with me. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy 
and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Boy, that's a huge verse right there. You talk about separating the, whatever you want to separate there, separate the right from the left right there. Where your treasure is, there's where your heart's going to be. All of this Sermon on the Mount is about the heart, the heart of the Christian. What is the Christian looking for? What are they after? What are they trying to do? I said earlier in the service, we're just passing through. This is temporary. The home you have, the vehicles we have, the clothes we have, it's temporary. It's temporary. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. There's that word again, righteousness. Now, I know it's a big churchy word, but all that is, is, all that's saying is to be right before the Lord. That's what righteousness is, to be right before the Lord. How do we do that? I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. Until Jesus saves you and he comes into your life and fills you with the Holy Spirit and dwells you with the Holy Spirit, then, then you can live a righteous, a right-before-God life. Does that mean you'll be perfect from then on? No. But we strive, we, we achieve, we, we, that's our goal. We want to achieve and attain righteousness. Let's read it again. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. Remember what he said? They say, but I say. They say, but I say. Jesus said, I want you to attain my righteousness. Whew, what a, what a command. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can everybody say amen? Amen. Each day has enough trouble on its own. And you notice how he keeps going back over that, this worrying thing. He knew how he was going to be. He knew what he was going to be about. He talks about in here where the treasures and things. He also talks about the birds of the air. It's not in this part, but another section here. And he says, you know, if I'm going to take care of the birds and the lilies of the field, don't you think I'm going to take care of you? I was noticing yesterday we were out in the yard and a, a robin has built a nest right on top of our electrical box. Now, to me, that's scary in itself, but it, it's amazing to me because right outside of that nest, laying up against the electrical wires were two robin eggs. Now, there's three, according to the girls I lifted up there and looked in, there's three robin eggs in there, but there was two laid out the side, and I noticed that both of them had a little peck in the end. It was like the mother knew that those babies weren't going to make it. And she had called those eggs out to the side, and she was setting on the eggs that she knew would survive. That's just nature, isn't that something? How that's just coincidence. You see, God gave that bird the instinct to be able to do those things, to know how to feed, to, to build a nest that high and just so tightly won't. It just looks amazing that that bird could build that with mud and sticks. He gave that bird the knowledge and the the whatever to do that and i'm go back to these verses and it says if god can do that if he'll take care of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field don't you think listen to me don't you think he'll take care of you on a much greater greater plane don't you think that therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough to worry about on its own and then, 
the last part of the subject of our, our sermon this morning is relationships. Relationships. And then we're going to get to the seriousness of the sermon. And this verse is probably the most quoted verse in the country today. You cannot go anywhere and somebody's going to throw this. It's going to, you know, it's like a tennis match. They're going to lob it out there at you. Boom. Shouldn't judge. Shouldn't judge. Well, let's see what Jesus says about it. Revelation 7, 1 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Do not judge. Now, I think there's a a difference here real quick that we can separate. I think there's a difference between judging and speaking the truth, all right? I think God's Word says there's some things that are good and some things that are bad. And we can say those are true things. But when we go judging each other, Jesus said judging starts at home. He said, you're sitting there worried about the little piece of sawdust in your brother or sister's eye and saying, oh, I'm glad I'm not like them. And he said, you know what? If you could look, you got this big two-by-four hanging out of your eye. You got something in your eye you need to take care of. You got something in your life that needs a whole lot more attention than what you're sitting there pointing at the others. And that's the way the Pharisees was. Jesus went right back to talking to those guys sitting over the corner yakking to each other. Because I guarantee you, all during this sermon, they're sitting over there going, well, I'm going to, you know, he don't know what he's talking about. Oh, how can we kill him? How can we get rid of him? He's talking about things that's that's talking about us. And he went right back at them. And he said, you sit there and you judge the people of Israel. You judge your, your Jewish people that are your friends and your family. And you judge them because they're not doing your 613 things that you've got on this list here. He said, you better make sure that your heart is right. You better make sure you deal with that two by four hanging out of your eye before you go pointing fingers at somebody else. It's real easy to judge the world, guys. Oh, I can't believe they do that. Can you believe? Can you believe what she done? Can you believe what he done? Mercy. I'm telling you guys, there's enough to deal with with that guy or that woman in the mirror. If you'll deal with that, you won't have much time to talk about anybody else, I guarantee you. Judging. Judging others. There's a difference now between saying the truth of the Bible. Now, what some people don't want to do is understand the truth of the Bible today. When you say, when Jesus said this is wrong, that's not judging. That's truth, okay? And his word speaks truth. So when we stand up and said the Bible says, and I'm reading here, this is the truth of God's word. He said this is wrong. That's not judging. But what the Bible, what Jesus is talking about here is where we try to point out the sins in everybody else's lives and we never deal with the stinkiness of our lives. You see, that's part of that whitewashed sep- you know, sepulcher and we got it, got it all whitewashed, but inside it's full of dead man's bones, Jesus said. It stinks. It stinks. Judgment belong, begins at home. Be careful, guys, as Christians. Be careful at the office, at work uptown. Be careful what you're talking about when folks come around. Be careful how you talk about others around people. Because you know what? The next day or two, you might be, it might be laid on your heart to witness to them about Jesus. And all of a sudden, yeah, but 
weren't you the one talking about somebody just two days ago? All of a sudden, we're not living in trying to attain that exceeding righteousness. We fell back down here with everybody else, and we blend in. We got the camouflage on, and we look just like everybody else in the world. Jesus said, I need you to be salt. I need you to be light. I need you to, I'm going to set you up here on a hill, and I need you to be bright so people can know how to get to heaven. You are my choice. I have picked you guys to do this, and I need you to do it above and beyond what you think is right. I need you to be aiming at the right target. I don't need you over here shooting darts at the wrong target. I need you to be aiming at the right target. Very quickly, the seriousness of the sermon. There in 7, 13, 14, we're going to switch over to 7 toward the end there. Look at verse 13, the seriousness of the sermon. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to it. And listen to this, and only a few will find it. That's kind of what began all this study that I've done. And it moves on down here in just a minute when we say, Lord, Lord, haven't I prophesied? Haven't I done this? And Jesus says, I don't even know you. As we look at the choices, this is serious, guys. There's only two choices. One is the road that leads to life, and one is the road that leads to destruction. It's not, it's not complicated. You go, well, the Bible's so hard to understand. Yeah, there's some things in there that's pretty difficult. There's some things in here, guys, that we're never going to understand. But about the way to heaven, it's, it's real uncomplicated. There's a way that leads to life, and there's a way that leads to destruction. What you've got to do is get out of here on the highway and decide which way you're going. Jesus said, one other thing, though, this road going to destruction is wide. It's like one of those eight-lane highways in St. Louis. It's wide. And there's a whole bunch of people, and there's a whole bunch of cars heading that way. But over here, it's real narrow. It's just like a dirt road. It's like a dirt road going out to the old farmhouse, and there's just a few people on this road. And that's what scares me, guys. Statistics say that over half of America is Christian. 50%. It doesn't say anything about 50% are going to heaven. It doesn't say 50%. It just says just a few are going. That's why it's so important that we look at this Sermon on the Mount and we look in our heart and we look at what Jesus is teaching and do we match up with what he's saying? Not with what we think is right, not with what we think a Christian looks like, but what is Jesus teaching us? That's what we need to know today. That's what we need to know above everything. And every bit we're reading, guys, is in red letters. That means Jesus spoke it right out of his mouth. When I'm dealing with a problem, when I'm dealing with trouble, I want to know what Jesus says about it. And here we see, and Jesus says, there's a big wide road that leads to destruction and hell, but there's a little bitty narrow road that leads to heaven, and you've got to get on it because I am the way, the truth, and life, and you've got to follow me or you're not going to get there. And all these things that we've been talking about, our ambitions and our motives and all these things that we're looking at here, those are the things that your heart's going to be talking to you about so that you can be on this narrow road. Two choices. It's serious. And then in 15, it talks about the fruit. And here's what I asked you to do a couple weeks ago. 
Is there fruit in your life that shows that you belong to Jesus? Are these things popping up in your life from time to time? There's only two kinds of fruit. It's real simple again. There's good fruit and there's bad fruit. One tree bears good fruit. Look there at 17. It says, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. Jesus said, if you live the way I'm talking about in the Sermon on the Mount, people will look at your life and they will know. They will know that you are mine. They will recognize you. The worst thing that we can possibly hear is when we invite somebody to work, well, I've been working by you 15 years. I didn't know you were a Christian. And they said that to us. That, that should break our heart. I've, I've worked with you 15, 20 years. I didn't know you were a Christian. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Does that convict you this morning? It convicted me. Somebody should be able to look at us, guys, this week and say, you know what, there's a man of God. You know what, there's a woman of God. You know, how do you know? I can tell. I can tell by their life. They're bearing good fruit. Well, you know, they just, they talk about folks and they take God's name in vain and and they are just ornery, and they, don't, they steal at work, and, and they don't work half the time. They're lazy at their job, and they just kind of come in and try to find ways to get out of work. They kind of stink. You ever had some fruit laying in your bowl at home, and it gets old, and, and it starts stinking, you gotta, and the fruit flies come? Make sure there ain't no fruit flies following you around this week. You got fruit flies around you, there's a problem. Got the outside cleaned up, inside stinky. We keep going back to stinky heart, don't we? What are those good fruits? Over in Galatians, it says this. It says the fruit of the Spirit is, I got them up here, love, joy, peace, self-control. Anybody got trouble with that, self-control? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I listed that twice. That's, that's, that's what I was talking to me, probably. Self-control. Being able to control who you are. Being able not to just go off and go crazy on somebody working at the drive through window at McDonald's. My coffee is 32 degrees. I wanted it 80 degrees. What's wrong with you? Self-control. Goodness, long-suffering. Oh, I just can't put up with these crazy people. What if Jesus said that about us? How, how long-suffering do you think Jesus is? It's, it's eternity, okay? You know what? He asked us to be like that, didn't he? He asked us to be like that. And then we get to 21, and I'm going to quit. 
the reason of this whole sermon series. Verse 21, chapter 7 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, Jesus said, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I never, I never knew you. That's how quiet I got when I read that. Just silence. Lord, haven't I, I preached in front of many people for you? I've sang in front of people. I've done Bible school and I've taught class. Lord, I've took young people to camp and I've took younger people to camp. But you know, I can do all those things and still have a smelly heart. Because if I come home the week after camp, if I come home or come home today and I, I'm rude to, to Dana and I'm rude to my kids and and I'm rude to people around. I don't take time for people when I'm traveling about this community. There's something wrong. And guys, we can come here every Sunday, and we can have a wonderful worship service, and we can head out that door. Man, I, whoo, I felt God's power today, and that's our prayer. But if we, don't, if, if we lose God's power from that door to the front seat of our car, there's something wrong. Amen? If by the time we drive home, there's a fight already happening on the road going home, there's something wrong. I know we're not perfect. I know we're going to make mistakes. But do we just accept that and say, there's no way I can achieve this exceeding righteousness? Jesus said you can, or he wouldn't have asked us to do it. He's asking you right here, and he's showing you how you can do it. He shows us how to pray to be able to do that. Not my will, but your will. May your will that is in heaven be done here on earth. Forgive me of my sins, and let me forgive others so I, you can forgive me. He showed us how to start, and he showed us how to live. He showed us how to do it. Lord, Lord, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Guys, make sure. And that's what we've been talking about for three weeks now. So I'm sure that you've looked and examined your heart. But I'm telling you, every so often, we as Christians need to examine our heart. That doesn't mean we lose it. That doesn't mean Jesus isn't there with us anymore. Doesn't mean we're not his children anymore. But sometimes we just get stinky. And we need God to go in there and wash places we can't wash inside where our heart is. And make it right and make it long for people, and make it long to be righteous, and make it long to do the things that please God so that others may see Jesus in us. This is huge. This will change the world. But what I'm afraid of is that more and more we look like the world than we look like Jesus. In times like these, we need a Savior. His name is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. His name is Jesus. 
You didn't have to watch very much TV this week to know we need a Savior. Let us go and be good fruit and bear good fruit. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to you this morning, we, we thank you for teaching us. Lord, what, a, what an inspiring sermon from your word, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Lord, how you, you didn't only just ask us to follow you, but you showed us how to follow you. And you give us examples, and you've just got it right there in, in your writings. Lord, may we examine our heart today and over the last, last several weeks, and may we examine our heart on a regular basis, on a daily basis. Give us this day our daily bread, Lord. May we examine our heart so that we know that we're yours and that we know that we're doing what you ask us to do so that we may be salt and light to the world that so desperately, desperately, desperately needs you. Teach us, Lord. And may we not only be hearers, but doers also. In your name we pray.